way. But today, where we find ourselves here in Psalm 57, David is in hiding. And in the weeks ahead, uh, I'm going to be sharing more details about what happens in that cave. And I know I say a lot when I preach that this is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. Well, I'm going to tell you this story about David in the cave is my favorite story in the Bible. And so I'm looking forward to being able to preach that message to you uh, in the future. But today I felt led to this psalm that David wrote during this time. And I just want to look at verses 1 through 3 again, and, and I'm going to be sharing out of the, the ESV version of the Bible this morning. I just love the wording a little bit better. So let's look what David writes beginning here in verse 1. He cries out, he says, Be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me, for in you my soul takes refuge. Think, think about where he is. Think about what he's going through. He's, he's literally running for his life. King Saul is hot on his trail. He's wanting to kill him and take him out. And David knows there is only one place of refuge that he has to go to. Someone needs to hear that today. David says, you, my soul, takes refuge in. In the shadow of your wings, I will take refuge till the storms of destruction pass by. I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. He will send from heaven and save me. He will put to shame him who tramples on me, Selah or Selah. And some scholars will just be perfectly honest with you and say, we really don't know what that word means. Uh, other scholars tell us that, you know, this was a musical term. It was meant to be an interlude uh, during a, a, a song. But scholars say that Selah in the Bible most likely means something like this. Stop. Stop. Think about this. Ponder this. So David is basically saying here in his writing of this psalm, he, he says what he says there, and then he says, stop, pause. I, I want you to think about what I just said and what you just sang this morning. God will send from heaven to me. All right? God will send from heaven for me, he will help me. He will save me. And he says, God will send out his steadfast love and his faithfulness. Imagine how our worst day could change if we truly believe what David is telling us here. David truly believes this. Why does he believe this? Because in the past, and what we've seen already is this. God has proved himself over and over and over again to David. Can I ask you this morning, is there anybody here that could give a witness to the fact that God has taken care of you over and over and over again in the past? Uh, Y'all are excited about it. Doggone. What has God done for us? Can I say that from the platform with guests? I'm sorry if that was a bad word. Lynette says a lot worse. Um, I mean, if we really think about it, y'all know I'm kidding. The Holy Spirit does not speak that way. 
But basically what David is saying here, you know, let's stop. Let's stop and and think about what's being said here. Can, Can we just stop and think about the songs that we've sang here this morning? Do we really believe them to be true that God's got the victory for us already? That he has a plan and a purpose and it's so that we will win and not lose. We will not be defeated. So, so David is saying, just pause and think about this. God will send from heaven for me. Our God is still the same. Huh? Our God is still the same. The same God that David is speaking about, the same God that that David is is worshiping and praising and encouraging others to think about here, that God has not changed. If you believe in Him, if you've accepted Him, this is your God. This is who He is. This is what He does. God will send from heaven for you. He will send from heaven. He will help you. He will save you. God will send out His steadfast love and His faithfulness. That is your God. It's not just David's God. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. You will see the goodness of God and His faithfulness even in the cave. Even in your darkest cave, you will experience this. I I hope you grasp this today because this is so good. It's a lot better than y'all look like it is, okay? Um, All right, let's dig into it a little bit. I just want to unpack a few things out of this and and then we'll be done, okay? I want to look at verse 2 again. David said this. God, I know that even in this cave, I'm hiding in this cave. I know that even in this cave, he says what? You have a what for me in verse 2. Purpose. Purpose. God has a purpose. Don't miss this. Right? David says, even in this cave, I know that you've got a purpose for me. I know that you've got a plan for me. We say it here all the time. You've got it memorized. You were created on purpose for a purpose. David knows this. He gets this, which means, here's what this means to David. David doesn't have to try to control King Saul. All right, if we know that God has a purpose, then that means we don't have to try to control the King Saul's in our life either. All right, David knows, I don't have to control King Saul. I don't have to con- try to control what King Saul is doing. He, he doesn't even have to respond to King Saul. His responsibility is what? Honor God and trust God. That's David's responsibility in the cave. Honor God and trust God and look for God's purpose in this. And I've shared this before, I know multiple times, and some of you have been going through a really dark moment in your life, and I've called you or I've showed up and I said, listen, I know this is terrible, I know this is bad, but look for God in this because He is here. Look for God in this because He is at work in this and through it. And you may not see it in the moment, but you'll look back on it and see how God was at work. And that God does have a purpose. David understands his responsibility is to honor God and to trust God. 
And David knows that when he does that, that he can trust God with the results. Because God is ultimately the one in charge. We, we sing about, we talk about God being a sovereign God. That, that's what the, that means. That means he reigns over everything. He is supreme ruler over all things. He is a sovereign God. And so the question for us is this. What if? What if in our situation? What if in our cave? What if in our stressful moment? What if in our anxiety or whatever your situation may be that you truly believed in a sovereign God that has a good purpose for you? What if you believe that and that he is ultimately in charge of all things? You know what? Your boss may be a jerk. Our, our staff says that theirs is. All right? And, and your boss may be a jerk too. But you know what? You don't have to control your boss. It's not your responsibility to be in control of your boss because guess what? You're not. Matter of fact, you're not in control of much of nothing. God is in full control. You don't have to control your boss. You don't have to pay him back or even respond to his jerkiness, if that's a word. I may have just made up a new word, jerkiness. Because ultimately, God is the one in control of that situation, okay? Your spouse may be insensitive, may be rude, may be hard to live with. But you know what? You just respond to God because he is the one ultimately in charge and has a purpose. Yes, even in this. Saul may not deserve your mercy. Your spouse may not deserve your mercy. Your boss may not deserve mercy your mercy or your integrity or your hard work ethic. But you know what? Jesus does. Jesus does. He deserves your faithfulness. He deserves your honor. He deserves for us to trust in Him because He has proven Himself over and over and over again. And so you always, first and foremost, respond to God with honor and trust. Because why? Because he has a purpose for you, even in the cave. Second thing that we see here is in verse 3. God has a steadfast love. I love that. When David talks about that, not only does God have a purpose for us, not only does God have a purpose for us in our trials and in our caves, but that purpose is saturated with steadfast, unchanging love. Steadfast, unchanging love. Let, let me say that again. Not only does God have a purpose for our trials, but that purpose is saturated with His love, which, oh, by the way, never changes and is steadfast. How would your perspective change if you really believed that in all things? How would your Monday change tomorrow if you truly believed that and claimed that in your life as you go out tomorrow, even when Saul has you unjustly trapped in a cave, that a sovereign God has not only a good purpose in it, 
But it's a purpose that is woven together with the threads of his steadfast love. And friends, not only that, but there is not a stray thread in your life outside of the control of his love as well. You may not always be able to see his purpose, but you know what? He's working. We talked about it last week. We may not always see him working, but he is always working. Even when you don't see him, he's at work. But you may wonder. You may wonder, why Why did God allow me to find myself here in this cave? Uh, why did God allow me to get this diagnosis uh, in, uh, in my medical condition? Yeah, you, might, you might wonder, why did God allow me to be divorced? Why did God allow for my spouse to die? Why did God uh, 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 allow me to uh, be overlooked for the promotion that I really wanted at work? Why did my parents let me down and disappoint me so badly? Why is my child totally and recklessly living a life out of control right now? Listen, I can't answer every question for why everything happens in your life. But I can tell you this. If you have surrendered your life, if you have surrendered your life and placed your faith in Jesus Christ, He has a loving purpose for your life in every moment and in every movement of your life. And you may be like, Steve, you know what? That's easy for, for you to say, but you don't know what I've been through. You don't know what I've been through, or, or, or you don't know what I'm going through right now. And you know what? Maybe you're right. Maybe, maybe I don't know. Maybe I don't understand. But here's what I do know. I've had problems of my own. I've had my own problems. I've had my own illnesses. I've had my own things. You know what? But maybe yours feels worse to you. I don't know. But, but listen to David uh, again here in verse 4. He says, my soul is in the midst of lions. I lie down amid fiery beasts, the children of man, whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp words. Now, I think we'd all agree that sounds pretty bad. Would we? I'm just checking to make sure y'all are still here. It sounds pretty bad. David is being chased by a rabid king who, oh, by the way, used to be his friend, right? And now he's trying to kill him. David knows a little bit about stress. David knows a little bit about anxiety. David knows a little bit about pain. You know what? The point is not to compare yours to mine or yours to his. I heard a pastor say the other day, and I love this. Suffering is not a competitive sport. <laughs> the point is that the resources that David knew was available to him are available to you. The same resources that David had confidence in are available to you. God watches over your life with a purpose and with this steadfast, unchanging love. Now look at verse 7. David says, after that, he says, Now, my heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make melody. Even with Saul hot on the trail. Right? My heart is steadfast. My spirit is at peace. Why? Because I know that you have a purpose for me 
And you have a steadfast love for me. And because of that, David says, you know what? Even with Saul out there, even with me in here in this dark cave, I can still sing. I can still make a joyful melody. Can I ask you this morning, what is the song playing in your heart when you're in a cave? What is the song playing in your heart during your suffering? Is it a melody of contentment? Is it a melody of having a steadfast heart and knowing and trusting God and that He's got this? Is it a song of joy or is it a song of the blues? Or a crying in my beer country song? (laughs) David says, even in my cave... Even in my cave, with them coming after me with spears, even now, my heart is steadfast. Why? Because of God's steadfast love for me. Uh, And that brings us to the third and last thing today, and you are so happy to hear that. God gives, don't miss this, He gives us from heaven a steadfast confidence. He gives us a steadfast confidence confidence. God has a purpose. God has a steadfast love, and He gives us a steadfast confidence. We see it here. We see it here. David says, my heart is steadfastly standing on the rock. My heart is steadfastly locked on you, God. Now, don't miss this. This is the second time David has used this word steadfast here in this psalm. The first time was in verse 3 when David used steadfast to describe God's commitment to him. Now he uses the, stead, the word steadfast to describe his commitment to God. Do you see which one came first? David can be steadfast toward God. Because he knows that God is steadfast toward him. I'm going to tell you all a secret this morning. We're going to put it on the screen so you have the secret. The secret to steadfast obedience is steadfast confidence in God's steadfast love. And the opposite of that is also true. All right, when you're not confident in God, when you're not sure that you can trust Him, when when you're not confident in the goodness of God, you know what happens in your life? That's when you start getting anxious and you want to start taking matters into your own hands. You you want to take back control. God, I I gave my heart to you and I gave you control, but I don't think you can handle this one, so I'm going to take it back. How dumb are we? I, and I'm talking about me. I do it. To do the same thing. I, I'll take that back. I got this. I can handle this. When you're not confident in the goodness of God and this steadfastness of His purpose and, and, and His love, that's when we start trying to get it back. Uh, there's a fellow, and I'm going to butcher his name, named Miroslav Volf. Miroslav Volf. He's a Croatian. And he lived through one of the worst chapters of ethnic cleansing in history that took place in Serbia. 
And, and he said this, and I, I thought it was absolutely fascinating. He, he said, you know, people often say that if you believe in a God of judgment, that you will become violent yourself. He said it's actually the exact opposite. It's when you don't believe in a God of justice that you become violent and judgmental. Who is going to pay these people back for what they did? When you've watched someone murder your parents and your siblings, how can you not be filled with a rage that will eat you alive? He, he goes on to talk about how he wrestled with hating those people. And harboring this hatred in his heart and in his life. These people that had been so cruel to his people and murdered his family. But then he said this, and I thought this was so good. He said, but as I contemplated the gospel, the good news, I realized that because the people who did these things would answer to God, I didn't have to make them answer to me. And that gave me the resources not to hate them. Because I believe in a God of justice. And I believe in a God who has a purpose for my life and a steadfast love for me. I don't have to take those matters into my own hands. But on the other hand, if you don't believe that, if you don't believe in God's justice, you'll, you'll feel driven to pursue that justice yourself, even to the point of rage. And you know what? You'll end up living a miserable life with a list of scores that you want to settle. A list of people that you want to see them get what they deserve. And if I could be a small part of that, I would feel so much better. Friends, that's a miserable life to live. To have a list of scores that you want to settle. But when you know like David knows, when you know that you have a sovereign God who has a purpose for you that is saturated with steadfast love, you can wait patiently with steadfast confidence in Him. You can. Does that make sense? David's steadfast obedience came from his steadfast confidence in God and God's steadfast love. And you know what? Here's the good news. The same is true for me. And the same is true for you. This morning before I got up to preach in the early service, I thought of this verse, and I'm, I'm going to close with it this morning, and I don't have it on the screen. Would you just maybe close your eyes for just a moment? Right now, I want you to get a picture of your Savior in your mind. You're Jesus, the one that you have professed a faith in. To be a follower of your Savior. Your Savior said this, and He's speaking it to you this morning. How the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 27, that Jesus, your Jesus, 
your Savior, said this to you. I am leaving you with a gift. He knew how hard this life would be. He knew the troubles that we would face. You see, he's been there. He's 40 days in the desert being tempted in every shape, form, and fashion. He was treated in ways and things done to him that you and I could never dream or imagine. And he says, you know what, I'm going I'm to leave you with a gift. And here's the gift I leave with you. Peace of mind and heart. <laughs> peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a peace the world cannot give. So do not be troubled or afraid. That's your Savior. That's who He is. And that's what He does. And this gift is available to every single one of you. The first and most importantly is that you have accepted the most precious gift that He came to give. And that's the gift of salvation. And this morning there may be someone here or someone watching online that has never fully surrendered and committed their life to Christ and they can't understand or even comprehend this peace that David has in this cave as he's in hiding from his murderer. But you can know that because your father wants you to have that. He wants you to experience that. He says, I'm leaving this gift. Will you receive it? Will you open it? So if you've never accepted him today, I would encourage you to do that. I would encourage you to find a moment, maybe right now, to just speak a prayer to him of repentance and forgiveness of your sins and that you believe that he's God's son he came, died on a cross so that your sins could be forgiven. And he rose from the dead so that you could live this victorious life that David's writing this psalm about. I'm leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. This morning we won't close with a word of prayer, but I want to open this altar this morning. If there's anybody that would like to come, maybe you just feel moved to have this peace of mind in your life and in your heart today. I invite you to come. Maybe there's somebody that you know that is really going through a difficult situation, and you would just like to come and pray this promise over their life today. I invite you to come. We're going to close with a word of prayer. So this morning, if you feel like you need to come, I, I invite you to come if you would like to come and pray.
Dear God, I thank you today for this awesome reminder of the love that you have for us. David writes about it. He knows it. He's experienced it. And this is hundreds of years before what you did for us on the cross of Calvary. But God, they still knew you and knew knew the importance of being in a right relationship with you. And that right relationship is a relationship of trust and honor. Trusting that you truly have a good purpose for us, for our lives, even for our caves, the darkest caves that we may find ourselves in, God. You still have a purpose. Your love has not changed. You're still in control. The God that we worship today is the same God that David worshiped back at this time. You have not changed. We praise you and thank you for that. Forgive me for the times that I have not trusted you with your purpose and your love. Forgive me for the times that I didn't have a steadfast confidence in what you were going to do, that I had doubt. God, forgive this pastor. But I pray today that You would continue to do a work in my heart and my life that would make me more like David and make me more like you. Most importantly, more like you. And God, I pray today that none of us will leave this place the way that we walked in. That we would all leave a little bit changed, challenged, encouraged. Because that's who you are. That's what you do. That's what your word is about. You want to shape us and mold us and make us into your image so that when we walk out these doors as the church, not from church, as the church, God, that we will look so like you in our words, in our deeds, that people would see you and want to know you. God, my prayer is today that if there's anyone within the sound of my voice that has not accepted you as their Lord and Savior, that today would be a day of salvation. And they would begin to understand and realize exactly what David is talking about here in this song. Thank you for that kind of love. Thank you for that promise. Thank you for that hope. And I continue to pray for those in our church that are going through tough times. God, be with Randy. God, we pray for complete and absolute healing in his life. Be with him as he continues these treatments and these medications. God, I pray that he would sense and know that you are at work and you have a purpose in his life, even through this cancer. God, I pray for the others in our church and I don't even know that I have the permission to mention their names, but God, you know the ones that are kind of had the wind knocked out of them here recently. I pray for them that you would give them strength, healing, this peace, this gift, this peace of mind and heart that they would trust you. I pray for those families that are going through turmoil and torment. God, I pray that Your word today spoke into their hearts and into their lives. And that you would help us to give up control of those situations and trust you. God, thank you for loving me. 
I love you. And it's in your son's powerful name that I pray and ask these things. Would you stand with me this morning as we're dismissed with our benediction, reminding us of whose we are and who we are. Would you read with me this morning? Lord, let us go out into the world in peace and dedicated to your service. May the strength of God sustain us. May the power of God preserve us. May the hands of God protect us. May the way of God direct us. And may the love of God go with us this day and forever. Amen. Amen. I love you all. I hope you have an absolutely wonderful week. See you Wednesday night at 630.